Hello and welcome to the American Dry Cleaner podcast. I'm your host, Tim Burke, the editor of American Dry Cleaner. Since 1934, American Dry Cleaner magazine has been the industry's number one magazine. I've been the American Dry Cleaner editor for the past two years and I'm in my 36th year in publishing. Today, we'll be talking about cost control ideas, practical tips for the dry cleaning owner. And joining us by phone is Dave Coyle, who's been in the dry cleaning business for more than 20 years. He's built his business in the bag cleaners based in Wichita, Kansas, and it's an enterprise with more than 25,000 clients and 76 team members who Dave tells us have approximately 450 years of combined time with his company. Uh, He's achieved almost 70% market share in his town and consistently puts over 20% profit to the bottom line. That's 20% profit. So that's worth giving a listen today if you want to find out some tips. And he'll help us understand how to achieve this level of profitability and cost control. So Dave, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Good morning. It's great to be here. Well, thanks very much, Dave, and uh, we'll get right to it. Uh, First question, um, when owners think of costs at their dry cleaning business, what would you say are the biggest ones that they face? Well, without question, I would say labor is the number one cost. You know, labor, even if someone's operating efficiently, will be 40 to 45% of uh, the net income coming in. So in labor, is comprised of payroll taxes, work comp, benefits, um, and of course, regular pay. So labor is number one. I think probably number two for most cleaners is rent. Uh, if people do a lot of pickup and delivery, that can also um, be looked at as uh, vehicle uh, leases or buys. Uh, it's kind of their mobile store. Um, but labor, rent, uh, and then we take a big jump down uh, to things like supplies and store repairs and marketing, items like that that comprise maybe more 3 to 5% of um, the net income line. Right. I'm hearing, and I think everybody out there is hearing that, labor and rent, and, and we certainly know that, the cost of keeping good employees, that's a whole other topic. But uh, related to some of those topics, how hard is it today for a dry cleaning owner to be, let's say, comfortably profitable well i think the first thing is is to look at um instead of using maybe the word cost we use the word investment so when we talk about labor uh we talk about those things as an investment in your clients uh the people that you hire when we talk about rent that's an investment it gives you a place to do business when you start looking at things as investments it's easier to be a little more careful with those things when we talk about being comfortable um, when someone gets probably to a profit line of 15% or greater there's a little bit more comfort level but comfortability and how much profit you make probably leads to whether or not it's the best option for you so if you've got another option that can make you 30% profit and you're making 12% at your dry cleaner you may not be comfortable but if you're able to get that up to 15 to 20 percent, um, you know most business owners that make that level of profit um, have a better sleep at night factor. They're not worried about where their uh, 
money's coming for payroll. They aren't worried about, you know, how whether or not they're going to have to take a loan out for their their tax bill every year. Um, it gives you more comfortability, I think, when you're in that fifteen uh, to twenty percent range. Right. Can dry cleaners be profitable? I mean, we we hear about tight margins and things like that. But I guess what I'm asking is, what should a dry cleaning owner's profit goal be? Well, it, it's interesting. If you ask if someone can be profitable, just look at other people in your industry and ask if they're profitable. And if the answer is yes, which in this case it is, there are people who are making 20% profit. The hard reality might be that the problem is not the business. The problem is not the industry. The problem might be you. So as hard as that is to face, um, you know, we, we sometimes uh, go about managing our business in a way that things slowly start eroding. The other thing that's sometimes a little challenging is, is, is are the numbers real? You know, sometimes people run two sets of books if, if they are, you know, so-called putting the, the cash under their mattress. Um, you have to look, these are real numbers uh, that I'm talking about here. So these are numbers, if the, if the enterprise is computerized, it, it was audited, um, this is, these are numbers that are on someone's tax return. A lot of people play games for cash flow and try to evade taxes and other things. Um, those games usually don't work in the long term. So if it's possible to le- achieve these levels of profitability, it absolutely is. Different people in different parts of the country are pay- faced with different challenges. Some have higher minimum wages. Some have higher rent lines. If you're on the coast, the rent at some places is outrageous. Um, so there are challenges. But if someone runs their business correctly um, and has good top-line revenue, absolutely 20% is very, very possible and practical. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, Dave. Uh, I think what we're hearing you say is it's, it's market forces, but also y- you got to look in the mirror sometimes. you got to look at yourself, and that's hard to do. And I know in the industry there's ways to do that. There's groups and different things that can help you assess uh, use everything you can, I think. Uh, but could you, could you, to go on to another question, could you talk about some practical tips for dry cleaning listeners out there about how they can keep costs under control? You bet. Well, if we talk about the big one, uh, which is labor, okay, which is by far the large, largest cost line, there's a number of ways to handle labor. Uh, labor, uh, it's very easy if someone has a very seasoned team. So for example, my production team has over 300 years of experience with us, with our company. So when people do that, we get to a point sometimes where we have to cap our wages. We can't just give everyone 5% more every year or eventually it becomes unaffordable on our labor line. So um, I'm a big fan of incentive pay when it comes to labor. If your production team as a group is productive, you give them bonuses. That keeps them motivated. It gets them out the door quicker. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of um, salary. Uh, We have a few people who are on salary in our upper management. Um, But otherwise, I really like paying uh, people hourly. And also, it gives an incentive as a business owner and as a manager to keep overtime under control. 
And even if someone's on salary, if someone's working 60 hours a week, you're going to have some problems with that person um, inevitably. They're, they're going to burn out. They're working too hard. It might be great in the short run, but not in the long run. And then you want to keep your labor motivated, not only through the incentive pay, but you know every relationship period is based on someone feeling appreciated and important. And you've got to recognize people. Put contests together. Have a great uh, Christmas or holiday party every year. Um, you know, do stuff throughout the year that truly makes people feel on your team important and recognized. And the big thing is, you know, I think is to also look at your bottom line profit. You know, to keep costs under control, some of the stress comes from how you spend your profit. Sometimes people have a lifestyle. Um, fancy cars, big house, lavish trips that erodes all of that profit and they can't throw the money back in the business. So one thing that I've seen a lot of people get in trouble with is to not have tremendous amount of debt and leases that they have to pay for in their expense lines or below their profit. That can create more stress than anything. And it usually indicates that someone's kind of living either personally or on the business side, living beyond their means. So be very careful. Obviously, we all want the best and newest equipment. Things like automation uh, can save tremendous amount of time and money on your labor line. Um, you know, but be, be very careful what you do with that profit uh, so that it doesn't end up causing more stress. Don't spend everything you make. Someone told me once, they said, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. And I think there's tremendous wisdom in that. Yeah, very much, very much so. Uh, thank you for that. On to another question. Uh, there are a lot of challenges in the dry cleaning industry. Uh, we know casual wear and uh, dealing with um, younger generation, how to reach them and how to deal with technology, new technology, of course, is on a lot of people's minds. But some of those challenges um, certainly affect cost. How, how do they affect cost? When we talk about how costs fit in here, very simply, someone has revenue, money that they're bringing in, um, and then they have costs of processing uh, those items, and those are subtracted from the revenue. And then at the end of that, once all the costs are taken out, we essentially have profit. Well, decreasing revenue is a big issue, and it's a huge issue across our industry right now. Um, and you know, one of the big things is, as an industry and as far as the individual operator goes, we have to innovate faster and offer different service lines and different ways to create more revenue faster than the revenue is decreasing. So absolutely, we've gone to a more casual that's been a 20-year slide of a more casual workforce. It used to be before that people had two wardrobes. They had a very kind of fancy for, for church and for dinner parties and for work. They had a very fancy wardrobe, a nicer wardrobe that they professionally maintained. And then they had a very casual wardrobe. Well, now there's more like one wardrobe. And when you see people coming to work in jeans and you see people coming to work in yoga wear, um, you know, people have more one wardrobe now instead of two, and, and that has been the problem with becoming more casual. I'm not so quick to, to say that younger generations are the problem. 
decline. I think that they've got a little bit different tastes. I think they uh, like to do business and communicate a little bit different. But for me, I've never focused really on 20-year-olds. Um, 20 year you know, people in their 20s don't have money. You know, they're figuring, I, I focus on the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Right. Uh, so the bottom line is your 20-year-olds are eventually going to be your 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds. And the goal is is that they'll have money and they'll have disposable income, and I don't think we're going to have the bottom drop out. Do they like to communicate in different ways? You know, do they like to dress a little bit differently? Absolutely. Um, you know, are, are, are they not going to um, be wearing stuff that comes with the cleaners? No. We just have to make sure that we're providing value and benefits. Um, the other big challenge is, along those same lines, is we have to know exactly what our uh, target demographic is to make sure that we're not aging out of it. I've always been right in that 30, 40, 50s. You know, that's who I talk to. I don't talk about our, our, our products and our services. I talk more in terms like in our marketing as far as the benefits we offer. And the number one is that we're saving people time. Yes. The second is, is that we're helping them with their self-confidence. So when they put on their clothes, they feel great when they go out in the morning. That's what we talk about. Could you tell us just briefly how those new things can um, be affecting trying to, trying to drop that money, as you say? I will tell you there are a few different service lines to look at if you're not already doing it. One is, is comforters. We do almost 100 comforters every single day, and it is one of our biggest profit lines. You know, and if you don't have room to do this uh, in your washer and dryer setup, you know, send two people three days a week to a laundromat. 80% of comforters can be washed. It's a huge profit line. If you're not doing wash and fold, it's a great opportunity if you do it right. So comforters, wash and fold, um, patio cushions, spring and fall, we do tremendous. I think we did over 800 patio cushions. Um, right now it's fall time in the, in the last uh, three to four weeks as the weather changes. We have done over 800 patio cushions. Tremendous profit. We get a steam cleaning upholstery machine that we used to use in the restoration business. Cost $1,000 and it paid for itself years ago. Um, and then think about other things uh, like restoration, for example, or other things to diversify. Um, the biggest thing is to focus on what your clients need. Can you solve any other problems for them? Uh, wash and fold is a huge time sucker. Can you, keeping their, keeping their comforter clean, people spend more time in their bed than anywhere else, can you keep their comforter clean to reduce things like allergies and breathing well and, and staying healthy? Those are the types of things that we look for so that we can solve more problems for our target demographic. Great, Dave. Uh, have you ever been taken by surprise in a good way by something while working with costs and profits, something you could share with listeners? Yeah, so when I flipped the switch and started thinking about cost, instead of thinking about costs as expenses, I started thinking about them as investments. A lot of real positive things happened in my life. When we started making that switch, we eventually hit 20%, which was a huge thing. You know, when I had my first month come up and it brought down 20% of profit, I was like, this is awesome. You know, this is what I've been working for. The other big surprises come that as you're able to reduce your debt load, 
there's the option to pay cash for things, you know, to to not have to take out loans, to not have to do leases, which become a little bit of a hamster wheel there. You're buying things that you don't yet have money for, but when you have the money and are creating good profits and are putting money away for business reinvestment, you know, it's a great feeling uh, to be able to write a check for the dry cleaning machine, to write it, to, to go into a, a dealership where you're going to buy your next van or box truck and write a check for that, you know, to surprise your supplier and say, hey, I want a little bit better deal on my hangers and poly, but I'm going to order three months from you, but I need you to cut off 7% of your margin. Most of them, you can find some middle ground there, and that feels great. Um, and then, of course, not having to juggle when you pay stuff. If you're making enough money, you're not getting sloppy with paying your costs or expenses, but you're able to do it on time. So you're not waiting till the fifth of the month to send out your rents and hoping the landlords don't, you know, uh, cry foul on that. You are able to do it, and, and there's so much joy that comes from that sleep at night factor where you're not just kind of piecing it together you're actually in control yeah there's a, there's definitely pride and comfort in that for sure dave great point uh, last question uh the words or the phrases caring and connecting with people is so important in this fabric care business of ours and for an owner who's listening right now uh how do those things fit in with investments and profits i didn't use the word cost there you noticed yeah, it's, um, you know, relationships are the name of the game, period. Um, whether it's business, personal, you know, when someone gets to their end of their life, uh, most people judge themselves on how valuable their relationships are. Um, you want to position yourself as the owner of a dry cleaning company. You want to think of yourself as a trusted advisor, when you can take the role of a trusted advisor with either your clients, and, and note that I, I, I call them clients, not customers, um, that implies relationships. Uh, a client is someone you have a relationship with, a customer is someone who's a transaction. Um, by the same token, uh, you can become a trusted advisor to your team. Um, when they trust you and you're leading them, you become your team's trusted advisor. And note there as well, I don't talk about employees. I talk about team or team member. Like we've talked about before, uh, connecting with people, caring for other people, it's critical. You know, we're in the business of creating solutions for our target clients' problems. And we want to be client-centric in everything we do. You know, things like um, participating in philanthropy, coat drives, food drives at Christmas time, all these things are critical to show that you're not transactional in the business. You care about your community, you care about your clients, and you care about your team. And here's another gut check. Maybe there's some logic to fake it till you make it, but if you don't care about your clients, your team, um, and your community, maybe you're in the wrong line of business. Because the fact of the matter is, is that it all starts with loving your team and loving your clients and ideally loving your community and being involved with it. And when you do that, then you focus on a wonderful 
client experience. Um, and you're much more careful about how you hire people, how you develop people, how you recognize people. Um, and you have a much, much more engaged team. Your team is interested in improving their situation, but they also want to work hard for someone that they respect, you as the owner. And you can't do that unless you care. So you have to care. Care about your community, care about your team, and care about your clients. Love them. That's where it all starts. Focus on that, and they will give you everything that you're looking for. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for uh, sharing your thoughts and ideas about uh, not cost control, but investment and uh, caring and love, of course, very important in this business where where things are so personal connected to our customers. Thank you very much for all the practical tips. Uh, Dave Coyle, we appreciate you being here today on the American Dry Cleaner Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for your time today and for being with us here on the American Dry Cleaner Podcast. The American Dry Cleaner podcast is a production of American Trade Magazine's LLC Chicago. For more information about future podcasts and to get the latest fabric care industry news, visit our website at americandrycleaner.com or make sure to read our weekly e-news blast called The Wire. Also, be sure to visit American Dry Cleaner on Facebook and make sure to like us. And also follow us on Twitter to stay informed about these podcasts, along with news and information from around the industry. The royalty-free music used on this podcast is from Alvaro Angeloro called Brand New Day and can be found at hooksounds.com. Thank you for being with us today on the American Dry Cleaner Podcast. This has been your host, Tim Burke, and I look forward to being with you again very soon. 